Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good evening, friends, on this Tuesday night after Christmas. Uh, welcome to Praying for America. I'm National Director of Priests for Life, Frank Pavone, and welcome to you, Christians, patriots, coming together because we have a nation to pray for. We have a nation to save. And that's not rhetoric. That's not hyperbole. That's not metaphorical. That's literally true. We have a nation to save from the left from the radical, woke, crazy people who are pushing all kinds of un-American stuff on us, not to mention unchristian, ungodly. We have a nation to save from the Democrats. Literally, that's become the case. It shouldn't have to be that way. Political parties should be serving the good of the nation. And sure, you can have differences. You can have policy uh, differences. But no, we're not talking about that. The Democrats are, are an evil party bent on destroying America, destroying the gospel, destroying freedom. And you and I have got to absolutely, clearly, vociferously rise up against them. That's simply the way it is right now in American politics. And nobody should be afraid to be shouting that from the rooftops and voting accordingly. So we're going to talk, of course, about that as the 2024 presidential election gets underway. It is already underway. We know, uh, for example, that President Trump has announced his candidacy. There will be others as we uh, have a primary, which of course is part of the process, who will announce their candidacy as well. And then of course we'll have the dangerous enemies of America on the Democrat side that'll be trying to get your votes and don't deserve a single one of them. Just in case it isn't clear, you and I need to be that crystal clear with our fellow citizens. I want to start with Psalm 126 uh, tonight because we're going to continue talking about freedom. I want to pick up where we left off and I'll summarize a little bit for you where we left off with this America First agenda, America First policies that we are exploring 10 pillars and their biblical foundations for good policy moving forward to save our nation. Being that it is rooted in scripture, let's go to Psalms 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men dreaming. Our mouths were filled with laughter. On our lips there were songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord indeed has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to be sown, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Let us pray. Father, bless our nation with freedom. Our founders and so many after them, our veterans, they have sown in tears what we now reap with joy. They have suffered. Many of them have given their lives. They have sacrificed 
some making the ultimate sacrifice for freedom, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of the press, freedom ultimately in your Son, Jesus Christ, and in His Holy Spirit. You have set us free for freedom. You instruct us not to use that freedom as a cloak or an excuse for vice, not to serve the sinful tendencies of our human nature, but rather to serve and lead us in the way of the urgings of your Spirit. Set us free. Set us free, O God, from our sins. Set us free from the falsehoods that afflict us on every side. Set us free, Lord God, that we may serve you and serve this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what we've been doing here is exploring key principles of America First policies, looking at some of the biblical foundations of those principles, giving some examples of the policies that would flow from those principles, and then also re re remembering the great accomplishments under the America First president, President Trump, things that were achieved the effects of, of many of these things still with us, these accomplishments still standing. We'll see a couple of examples of that. Others, again, the radical Democrat left enemies of the people are dismantling and nullifying. But they'll be built up back again. And that's the point. We're in this, we're in this early part of the 2024 cycle. But it's building back again those policies that were lost because the principles were denied. See, this again, I can never tire of repeating this. Let me go to the whiteboard and make this, this one point here for you because this is, this is foundational and, and, and I need for all of you to be really able to speak this uh, into your families and into your coworkers and your friends and your pastors that... We talk about principle, principles that underlie the policies. All right, we're talking about these principles and principles ultimately rooted in the Word of God. And then from those principles flow policies. Well, actually, maybe I should, oh, oh, excuse me, one second. I'm going to use the red and the, and the blue in their... Um, political connotations. So from the principles flow policies and <clears throat> you have different kinds of policies because you have the two major parties. Of course there are a whole bunch of other parties. You know it's kind of fun. Did you ever did you ever look up uh, online you know what are the different political parties uh, in the United States? Take a look sometime. It's amazing how how many there uh, are. And then when people declare their run for the presidency, you see how many different people are actually running. We usually only hear about the top two or three. Uh, Republican policies, Democrat policies. Okay. So, thing I want to point out here right at the outset, and it's a theme that we return to again and again, is that while it used to be the case 
while it used to be the case that when you contrasted Republican-Democrat policies, you were looking still, nevertheless, even though they were different, at policies that were serving the principles. In other words, we're all trying to increase freedom. We're all trying to increase security. We're all trying to respect law and order. We're all trying to protect human life. We're all trying to protect religious freedom. So policies, you might have different ideas about how to accomplish those things, but they're implementing the same principles. You're all rowing in the same direction. You all mean well. We all believe in the same thing. America, God, freedom, right? Life. We all believe in the same thing. We're standing on the same principles, which ultimately stand on the unchanging word of God. And as far as policies, you know, the more specific you get in anything, the more room there is for disagreement, the less certainty there is, right? The less down here you got you're on the level of dogma, unchanging teaching, the eternal word of God. You go into principles, yeah, you have certain uh, self-evident truths, right, that our founders identified and other principles. But then once you get down into the weeds, that's a, the devil's in the details, as as we always say. That's where you get. You know, there's a lot of room for disagreement, and there's a lot of room for uncertainty. However. What has happened now is that the principles themselves have taken on the political colors. In other words, it's not just the disagreement on how to get to the same goal. It's a disagreement about the goal. It's not just a disagreement on how to implement the same principles, such as the unalienable right to life, which has to be preserved for every person, including those in the womb. No. Now it's a disagreement about that principle. So that if you're a Republican, you tend to be, or at least if you look at the parties and their official platforms, you're saying, yeah, the right to life is a principle. Of course it is. God gave us life. We can't take it away. Government can't authorize abortion. Democrat, abortion is a sacred right. They're bloodthirsty. They're literally bloodthirsty. And some people want to pretend that we can be, that we can be neutral about this. This is where so many church leaders have gone. They've gone completely astray, brothers and sisters. It's like they're on drugs. I think some of them are on drugs. Where they can actually stand up and, 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 and smile at Biden. They should be chanting, let's go Brandon. But instead, hey, they're embracing us, slapping them on the back, and hey, good job, good job. Yeah, good job killing babies. Good job crushing the freedom of the church. Good job destroying our borders. Good job indoctrinating our children. Good job messing up the country and screwing up the world. Let's go, Brandon. It's because they're working on different principles, brothers and sisters. Different principles. It's not just policy differences. We've got to get deeper than that. And you know why they're different principles? Because ultimately, they don't all believe in the Word of God. Our founders did. The Bible was the primary source, the most utilized source, for the thinking, the conceptual framework 
of the documents that form the conceptual framework of our system of government. But today, the Democrat Party has become the godless party. Now, obviously, and <laughs> this should go without saying, but for the sake of our critics who, I don't know, I think you and I, friends, we've got, I mean, everybody's got enemies. I think you and I have the dumbest enemies in the world. So you have to say things kind of very explicitly because they don't quite get it the first, second, third, or tenth time. Obviously, we're not talking about our friends. We all have friends, relatives, co-workers, people who worship in our congregation. That they themselves identify themselves as Democrats doesn't mean that they're godless. We've got a lot of, we work in the pro-life movement with a lot of pro-life Democrats. My goodness, they're, they're just, they're, they're an inspiration. So we're not trying to make some kind of blanket judgment on individuals. What we are saying is that the party seen as such has become godless, not only in its uh, moral relativism and in its throwing out the window principles like the sanctity of life and the freedom of the church, but also just statistically, demographically godless. And I refer you to Pew Research. You know, they do a lot of great work on a lot of uh, research topics, but look up the Pew Research uh, study on politi political affiliation. One of these nights, we'll, maybe we'll take this, we'll go into it in, in depth. They did a research not long ago on political affiliation and its relationship to religious practice. So what did it find? Let me just in a nutshell, tell you that what it found, as I'm sure you will not, not this audience will not find surprising, is that when you look at the questions of, do you go to church? Do you read the Bible? Do you pray? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in the commandments? That more of the people who say no to those things or the preponderance of the people who are uh, doing less of the things like prayer, church attendance, Bible reading, and so forth, are gravitating to the Democrat Party. The, 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 the demographics of the Democrat Party consist of the less religiously observant people. Demographics in the Republican Party, very much a party of faith. Let me go back to the chair and we'll uh, talk about uh, one or two other little things here. So what we looked at as the third pillar of restoring uh, America First, an America First agenda. And by the way, of course, and this you know very well already, we aren't looking just at the R after the name of a candidate. We're certainly not going to go for the D. But when we see that R, one question is answered. Okay, this is the party you identify with. But here's the next question. Are you into an America first agenda? The kind of things we're talking about here. Okay. Restore America's historic commitment. This is not something invented yesterday. To freedom, equality, and self-governance. Freedom, equality, and self-governance. We looked at, 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 at some of the, the um, intellectual bases of these, um, of these things. We looked at some of the scriptures already. Let me define here some of the uh, list here, some of the um, actual agenda items. Now, the first 
one of these, we, uh, we, the first and, and one of the others we talked about in some detail last time that we were doing this. Let me go back to the board and actually put these up there because these are, of all these different pillars, these are some of the, um, the policies, friends, that are most under attack and that are most motivating for voters. Defending the constitutional right of religious liberty and freedom of conscience. We looked at this in some depth last time. You can go back to some of the uh, previously posted programs and see my more in-depth discussion of this. The right to keep and bear arms. We'll say a little bit more about that. Stop big tech encroachment on free speech. Don't have to convince you that that's a problem. And that's a need. Sanctity of life. That's my area of focus. And the, um, who would have ever thought we had to talk about this, but defend female athletes and preserve fairness in women's sports. You know, let me say this. I've been bringing this up in a lot of my talks recently. Linking these two here at the bottom. There are, everything's interlinked, of course. But why is it today that we can't say a man is a man and a woman is a woman? Maybe it's because for 50 years we've been saying a baby's not a baby. Think about it. When Roe v. Wade came down in 1973 and legalized abortion throughout pregnancy, the fantasy was, well, it's a baby if you... And the fantasy still is, even though now Roe is gone... The defenders of abortion still buy into this fantasy that if you say it's a baby, if you believe it's a baby, if you want the baby, well, then it's a baby. If somehow you don't want the baby and you don't believe it's a baby, then it actually isn't. To say it's not a baby in the womb or to even say we don't know if it's a baby Flies in the face of biology. What else flies in the face of biology? A man is not a man and a woman is not a woman. The truth isn't even first and foremost in the mind. It's in the body. The truth is written in the body. It's independent of what we think. It's independent of what we choose. What we think is the mind. What we choose is the will. But man, woman, baby, that's all in the body. And if you deny that, well, what are you, what are you doing? How, I, I mean, you don't deny gravity, do you? You don't go walking off a cliff and pretend, and pretend that you're just going to keep walking on thin air. You can't defy gravity no matter how much you, you think that that's what you should be able to do. Let's go back to the, to the seat here. You know, um, let me go into the, on the two things that we focus most on, and we're going to come back tomorrow to the right to bear arms and, 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 and some of these other principles. But I want to remind you
And you can go, friends, to ProLifePresident.com. That's a website where we have outlined, summarized in many different ways, the accomplishments of President Trump, not just in the area of pro-life, but across the board for the good of this country, for the good of your family, your children, your future, and our freedom. But in the area of cherishing both life and religious liberty, let me just remind you of some of the key accomplishments of the Trump administration. I'm just going to read through them. This is always a precious reminder that we need to be teaching our children, grandchildren, and in fact, all our fellow citizens. President Trump and his administration steadfastly supported the sanctity of every human life and worked tirelessly to prevent the government funding of abortion. He reinstated and also expanded what, what is called the Mexico City policy, ensuring that your tax money and mine is not used to fund abortion overseas. Now, when you ask the American people if they want to pay for somebody else's abortion, that's a different question than whether they believe abortion should be legal. That's a question of paying for somebody else's killing of their child. No, people don't want to do that. And even more Americans don't want to do that for international abortions. So President Trump re reinstated and expanded in the sense that it applied this prohibition on using this money in this way, applied clear across the government, not just to part of it. He issued a rule preventing Title X taxpayer funding from subsidizing the abortion industry. Now remember, president does not make law. There was already an existing law. Title X already included prohibition from funding for the provision of abortion, but the lines had become blurred, as they can easily do, especially under pro-abortion administrations. Remember, they think they can define and redefine reality. They are the enemies of the American people, these Democrats. But President Trump solidly stood behind the existing law and clarified that this means we are simply not going to use Title X funds for any kind of intermingling with support of abortion. And, and, and it caused Planned Parenthood to drop out of the program altogether and lose some $60 million annually. President Trump and his administration supported legislation to end late-term abortions. Most Americans are in favor of ending late-term abortions. Remember what uh, President Reagan said about good politics? Stand next to an 80% issue and smile. Ending late-term abortion is one of those kinds of issues. People don't want to see abortions in the 7th, 8th, ninth month of pregnancy or even the 6th month. Stand next to an 80% issue and smile. You win all the time. Cut all funding to the United Nations Population Fund due to their support for coercive abortion. It's the opposite of freedom of choice, isn't it? and forced sterilization, taking the, the choice out of it here. And so the administration rightly cut off funding for those kinds of things. Signed legislation overturning the previous administration's regulation that prohibited the states from defunding the abortion facilities as part of their family planning programs. There's a lot of double and triple negatives in there. Let me summarize it another way. President Trump restored the freedom of the states to let their money go to life rather than death, life rather than abortion. Let the states decide that. He was very strong on that. 
did it early on. Fully enforce the requirement that taxpayer dollars not support abortion coverage in Obamacare exchange plans. Stop the federal funding of tissue, uh, fetal tissue research. Work to protect healthcare entities and individuals' conscience rights, ensuring that no medical professional is ever forced to participate in an abortion in violation of their beliefs. Issued an executive order. Now, this one didn't get as much attention, but I remember the day it came out and we had a conference call with the White House. Issued an executive order reinforcing the requirement that all hospitals in the United States provide medical treatment or an emergency transfer for infants in need of emergency medical care, regardless of prematurity or disability. led a coalition of countries to sign what is called the Geneva Consensus Declaration. This declares that there is no international right to abortion in committing to protecting women's health. And finally, he was the first president to attend in person the annual March for Life. That's coming up again, by the way. And uh, as always, I have a leadership role in some of the events uh, connected with and surrounding the March for Life, such as the National Prayer Service, I want to invite you to consider coming to that. I know some of you will be coming to Washington for the march. If you've never come, this might be a good year to come because we're going to celebrate. This is the 50th annual March for Life, and we're having the first one that since the, the Roe v. Wade decision has been, been declared null and void. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a big celebration, and we're going to commit to the work that still needs to be done in protecting these children and their moms and dads and families. Nationalprayerservice.com is the website. Nationalprayerservice.com. Brothers and sisters, check it out and join me. I'll be leading that prayer service as usual. I'll be delivering remarks, and that will be at Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. Nationalprayerservice.com. Come on Friday, January the 20th and join me. It's from 8.30 to 10.30 in the morning, just prior to the main March for Life rally and the march itself. Let's pray. Father, we uh, rejoice in uh, the pillar of America First policy that ensures us freedom, equality, self-governance. Lord God, this is so basic, so fundamental. We have the freedom of conscience and of religion and of, of, of life. We have, Lord, the freedom to be alive, to protect our own lives, to protect the lives of others, and to recognize that every life, no matter how different it might be, because it is burdened by one or another limitation or endowed with one or another gift. We are not all equal in our gifts, but we are equal in our dignity. We're equal in our rights. We're equal in the freedoms that we exercise. Continue to help us understand these principles. Continue to help us to build up these policies. Continue to help us rejoice in the great accomplishments that were made in the Trump administration and, and that we, Lord, will continue to defend and continue to build upon, that we will bring back if they've been destroyed by the Democrats, but we will bring back the principles of freedom, equality, self-governance, and the right to life. We pray in this 
mode in the name of Jesus, and we use the words that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It is so good to be with you, friends, on uh, Praying for America. I thank you for the support that you've been giving me uh, in terms of what's been uh, happening in the uh, Catholic Church. Uh, a lot of the leadership is just in a really big mess, but we support, we appreciate your support and continue to connect with me on uh, social media. Find me on all the major platforms at FR Frank Pavone. And uh, of course, connect with Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. Connect with this program. Spread the word about Praying for America. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. God bless. Powerful new voices are arising in the debate over abortion. The voices of those who have actually experienced it. From coast to coast, women and men who have lost children to abortion are speaking out about its pain and devastation and about the healing and forgiveness they have found through the pro-life movement. Their witness is changing hearts and minds. Former U.S. Senator Zell Miller writes, The most poignant sight for me at this year's annual pro-life march and demonstration in Washington, D.C. was the large number of women holding signs saying they regretted their abortions. Celebrity Kourtney Kardashian says, I looked online and I was sitting on the bed hysterically crying, reading these stories of people who felt so guilty from having an abortion. I was reading these things of how many people are traumatized by it afterwards. Follow him, Father Frank Pavone, FR Frank Pavone, on Twitter. He is the National Director of Priests for Life. Please go to priestsforlife.org. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.